Shabbat Shalom. I was in Charleston, South Carolina last week. I must say, it's a bit disorienting for a New Yorker to go to Charleston for the first time. People there are just too nice. <laughs> They're just way too nice. They stop you all the time, on the streets, in the shop, and inquire all about you. You walk into a shop, you know, and they want to know everything about your past, your shopping habits, what you do, where you were born, what you're thinking. It's just all too much for New Yorkers. <laughs> Southerners are so polite that it's aggravating. We forget that most people in the world think that we are extraordinarily rude. Ah, but who cares? <laughs> Charleston is an amazing place. So much of American history is wrapped up in that one town. It was an important center of resistance during the Revolutionary War. It was a key Confederate state. The Civil War started there with the firings of cannons from the battery into Fort Sumter. And Char Charleston has special resonance for Jews, especially Reformed Jews. I always wanted to visit Charleston because of the prominent and famous Reform synagogue in the heart of the town. I studied about this th synagogue. I thought about this synagogue. It has deep historical significance. It's magnificent. Make sure to be there and go visit when you're in Charleston. It's built in that classic colonnaded Greek revival style, testifying to the obvious wealth and standing of the Jews of Charleston at the time. In 1841, at the dedication ceremony, the synagogue's first rabbi, Gustavus Poznanski, was moved to say, this city is our Jerusalem, and this happy land is our Palestine an affirmation that was later reduced to the motto of the American classical reform movement, America is our Zion, and Charleston is our Jerusalem. Since yesterday was Yom Atzmaut, Israel's Independence Day, and we will be continuing the celebration downstairs after the service, it's a good reflection, it's a good time to reflect on the notions of Zion and Jerusalem. For over a hundred years, most of the reform movement believed what Rabbi Poznanski believed. America is our Zion, and Charleston, or Washington, or New York, or Berlin is our Jerusalem. Reform rabbis and reform lay leaders and congregants believed that Jews no longer constituted a unique and distinct people, but rather we had simply become a religious philosophy, a community of faith, what Americans today say a faith community. And therefore, they believed that the yearning for Zion was a vestige of the past, no longer relevant to American Jews. This land is our Zion. It wasn't until 1948 when Israel became a fact that could no longer be ignored or denied, and after the dimensions of the catastrophe in Europe were revealed, a devastating indictment of the reform movement's faith in the German philosophy of reason, that the reform movement, qua movement, 
began to contemplate that perhaps we were not only mistaken, but we were off the reservation, ideologically speaking. In the decades after the first Zionist Congress, from the late 19th century through the mid-20th century, the Reform Seminary, the Hebrew Union College, did everything it could possibly do to prevent Zionism from influencing the tender sensibilities of rabbinical students. In 1905, responding to the accusation that one of the professors was insidiously teaching Zionism into his teaching of the Hebrew prophets, then-President Kaufman Kohler told the board of the rabbinical seminary, this is poison in sugar-coated pills. It undermines the very foundations of Reform Judaism. It is un-Jewish. In 1906, a member of the HUC Board of Trustees introduced a resolution reaffirming that the seminary remains dedicated to the proposition that America is our Zion. The rabid anti-Zionism at the HUC led Rabbi Stephen Wise, the founder of this congregation, in whose memory the congregation is named, to establish the JIR, the Jewish Institute of Religion. It was housed next door in what is now called the York Prep School and dedicated to the proposition that Jewish peoplehood is the core of Judaism and that Zionism is the national self-liberation movement of the Jewish people. They even banned kippot and talitot at the Hebrew Union College because these were symbols of Jewish traditionalism and nationalism. They banned the teaching of modern Hebrew. The President Kohler put it this way, Neo-Hebraic literature might be a necessity for Russian Jews who have no genuine literature from which to derive culture and idealism. But for us, English literature is a source of culture and enlightenment. Wherefore, he proclaimed, neo-Hebraic literature will be abolished here. The mission of Reform Judaism, said Kohler, is to transform the national Jew into a religious Jew. Jewish festivals were denuded of all national themes. Thus, the prayer for the shaking of the lulav on Sukkot was excluded from the Reform prayer book because it reminded people too much of the land of Israel. The people of Israel no longer lives, said Rabbi Abraham Geiger, who founded Reform Judaism in Germany. It has been transformed into a community of faith. The 1920 Reform prayer book had this prayer. By thy grace, O God, it has been given us to see in our dispersion over the earth a sign of blessed privilege scattered among the nations of the world 
Israel is witness to thy power and thy truth. Not backward do we turn our eyes, O Lord, but forward to the promised and certain future. Within 20 years, the promised and certain future became a nightmare of death and devastation and destruction. And none of the nations of the earth that the Jews were privileged to be scattered upon opened their doors to Jewish refugees. In a famous speech at the CCAR, the Central Conference of American Rabbis, the Reform Rabbinical Arm, Rabbi Samuel Sale of St. Louis responded to the recently established World Zionist Congress and said, the question of Zionism is repugnant to me. And I can hardly bring myself, both as a Jew and as an American, to discuss it seriously. The Jews have no nationality of their own today. The Jews, the world over, are merely a religious community. The Zionists are prophets of evil. To my thinking, said Rabbi Sale, Zionism is a dead issue. It is hardly a fad that is worthy of passing notice, for it seems to have its main support from those who have lost all feeling for and relationship to Judaism. Actually, it was Rabbi Sale who seemed to have lost all feeling for and relationship to Judaism. It wasn't until 1977 that the American Reform Movement established ARTSA, its Zionist arm, that I directed from 1992 to 2004 before assuming this pulpit. And even that was controversial. Many opposed establishing a Zionist affiliate within the National Reform Movement, even in 1977. And I was constantly frustrated by the vast majority of reformed Jews who simply didn't care. As that famous Charleston native said in the movie, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. What the reform movement forgot or ignored or willfully distorted is that Judaism never considered exile a blessing. It was a tragic fact. Judaism never considered the Jews no longer to be a nation. The last people to believe that prior to German and American reform Jews were the early Christians who broke from Judaism. Rabbi Abba Hillel Silver, one of the great Zionists and American Reform rabbis, said the abandonment of Jewish peoplehood was the philosophy of Paul. Rabbi Silver pointed out that the apostle, originally known as Saul of Tarsus, was the last Jewish leader before the Reform rabbis of the 19th century to assert that the Jews were no longer a nation. Judaism always yearned, not for some sanitized, fantasized 
messianized end of history existence, but for the rebuilding of the political life and home of the Jewish people, which would lead to peace for all peoples. Messianic aspirations have always been tied to national restoration in the land of Israel. There is simply no record in all of the annals of Jewish civilization prior to the classical reform Jews of Charleston of Jewish messianic aspirations not tied to the distinctive existence of the Jewish people restored to the land of Israel. Our movement wasn't innovating in Charleston. We weren't reforming. We were distorting. Our movement seemed to have lost all feeling for and relation to Judaism. It is a distortion of Judaism to say that Jews were dispersed from the land in order to bring the message of universalism to all mankind, and that therefore the Jews no longer constitute a distinctive people. For Judaism, a relationship with God is not possible in the absence of a relationship with the Jewish people. Judaism is the faith of the Jewish people. The Jewish people created the Jewish faith, not the opposite. As the great medieval philosopher and poet Judah Levi wrote, if there had been no Jews, there would have been no Torah. The Jews did not derive their highest state from Moses. Moses derived his highest state from the Jews. I worry today that 70 years after the Holocaust and 67 years after the creation of the state of Israel, progressive Judaism and progressive Jews are showing signs of fatigue with a Zionist idea. And that for so many, joining the enlightened family requires rejecting the Jewish family. I worry that even in elite universities, like the recent episode at Stanford, a student must reject her Jewish affiliation in order to be elected to the student council. That her Jewishness is ipso facto evidence of her inability to enter the Council of the Enlightened. And I worry that increasingly, for so many guardians of the Citadel of Enlightenment, proof of membership and a pass to entry is to harass Israel, boycotting her, imposing expectations upon her that none other is expected to live up to, challenging her every action and even her very reason for being. I worry today that even in our reform seminary, you can catch glimpses of benign neglect, if not downright rejection of Israel. As one rabbinical student told me upon his return from the Year in Israel program when I spoke with his class, why should I care about Israel? I'm an American Jew. We've seen that mindset before in the Reform Seminary. A discomfort with Jewish nationalism and an overestimation of the potential of universal brotherhood. For 19th and 20th century Reform Judaism, 
Immanuel Kant was the new prophet. Pure reason was the new God. America was the new Zion. And Charleston was the new Jerusalem. This mindset led to disaster. And had it continued, the Jewish people would have rejected Reformed Judaism and discarded it onto the ash heaps of history. And it wasn't even that German reformers and American reformers were not nationalists. That was the inherent contradiction. They were nationalists. They were German nationalists of the highest order. Berlin is our Jerusalem. They were American nationalists of the highest order. America is our Zion. It is only Jewish nationalism that they rejected. I worry today that in an intensifying atmosphere of anti-Semitism and its more acceptable and genteel form, anti-Zionism, and with the relentless and incessant efforts at undermining Israel's very moral character. I worry that in an era of spiraling ignorance of all things Jewish, we forget or never learn the profundity of the miracle. Israel is one of the great wonders of the world. The recreation and restoration of the national home and the national spirit of the Jewish people. The state of Israel keeps the Jewish people alive. We cannot be a people today without Israel. More Jews live in Israel than in the United States. Sometime within the next 20 years, more Jews will be living in Israel than all the other nations of the world combined. Remember, we gave the world its universal aspirations. It was the Hebrew slaves who first insisted on freedom, liberty, and self-determination. It was the Hebrew prophets who first dreamt of a peaceful world where the lion and the lamb would lie down in peace, when all shall sit under vine and fig tree, and none shall be afraid. It was the Hebrew Bible that said, love your neighbor as yourself. And it was the rabbis who said, that is the essence of Torah. All the rest is commentary. Go and study. But in Jewish thought, the path to universalism lies through the collective efforts of people's and nations. The collectivity is the key force of history, not the individual. And therefore, collective efforts and collective policies are the key determinant of collective morality. That's the reason that Israel's creation carries such universal significance. It is a triumph of the human spirit. It is a triumph of progressive thought, upholding the values of liberty and self-determination. Zionism inspired a whole people to awaken from its national slumber and to seize its own destiny. Think of the audacity of it all.
in the face of enormous odds. The Zionist movement inspired a scattered people that has lost its language, land, and national center and thrust it back into history. What a sprightly corpse. And what a long-lasting fad. And that's why we celebrate today and all days. And that's why today and all days we declare Israel is our Zion and Jerusalem is our Jerusalem. Amen.